That is Rick Astley. Never gonna give you up. The great, great. What year was it? 1987. 1987. It was years of relative peace and prosperity. We had Ronald Reagan was still in office. Yeah. And Back to the Future came out. That was 1986. Not sure. Not sure. I'm trying to think who was. Uh, I don't know. My, my knowledge of 1987 is not as extensive as I thought. I mean, I lived through it, but I'm just not. I was uh, studying pretty hard in 1987. All right. I was at Princeton in Not Rick Astley. Not studying Astley. No, I was not studying him. There's not a lot in Astley, to, I would venture to say, to study. Yeah, I don't know. don't know. Well, we've been off air for like a week. We've, yes, by the way, we should introduce ourselves. Oh, so by the way, yeah, that's so funny. Rick Astley overwhelmed myself. He did. Uh, welcome back to New Persuasive Words for those of you who are returning, and welcome for the first time to new listeners. I am Scott Jones. And I am your VJ, Downtown Bill Bohr. There was, there's, I feel like one of the most interesting things yeah. is like the, the early lives of MTV VJs. Like, they've, I had a few of them on Stern, a few of them wrote a book a couple years ago. And I listened to some podcasts. I, I think I'm still subscribed to it, but I've only listened to like two episodes. But one of them was the history of MTV, which is just amazing. And like the, 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 the VJs were coming in to like the president of MTV. And like, well, we'd never really negotiated a contract. I mean, do I need a lawyer? Oh, use our lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, use our guy. Yeah, just use yeah. our guy. Obviously, so, they didn't read what happened in the early 70s. No, <laughs> they did not. Or the 60s, for that matter, yeah. But vi- remember when videos were like a big deal, though? Like, oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Friday Night Videos, it was NBC or something. And then when there was a new video launch, that was huge. It was huge. You, yeah, you, it was yeah, a cultural was, event. Yeah. Now it's like, it's just straight to YouTube. I mean, like, if, I feel like it's, it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's not really. Well, what was the, uh, gosh, what was that group where the, uh, there was three women um, she, the one was killed in a car accident. Um, it wasn't salt and pepper. Um, I can't remember, but at any rate, there was a, that great, it was a really a great song. Uh, um, uh, don't go chasey waterfalls. Oh, TLC. Uh, yeah. 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 At any rate, that they spent all their money, all their money making that video. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good video. Yeah. I mean, it's a I'm great, not, it's a take, great video. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not taking away from the quality of that video at all because it was yeah, good. No, it was, it was very good. So we, uh, by the way, I thank you for a lot of the feedback we got in the past few episodes. We, it's very meaningful, and we're glad that folks found it helpful, and mm-hmm. or encouraging, or in some instances, well, actually, the, our our no, no, I'm not counting our Westworld episode. I was thinking of our Luther Calvin. We even mm-hmm. Steve Lipless was somewhat pleased. Pleased, yeah. Well, I think uh, occasionally we bump back into our vocation doing these podcasts. Yeah, we sometimes get in <laughs> theological binges. Yeah, and uh, but things that I think we are uh, like to talk about that we feel in part is our calling to talk about. So, yeah, I, I thought both our discussion on metaphysics and the discussion on Luther Calvin, we've been on a kind of an extended discussion on the Reformation, and actually we will probably get there in this podcast yeah well. we're, we're kind of I, I actually think it's been helpful like i mean it's been stimulating to my own thinking to rethink some things yes yeah that i haven't thought of it, 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 it quite i mean we're kind of on a, a focused run on some of these 16th century questions i think that's helpful yeah you know and the week we did the uh, podcast on uh luther and calvin in the end and what is 
that we actually believe in or what do we trust. Uh, I baptized three adults at this congregation, this redevelopment congregation I'm doing, and they could not remember when three people had been, three adults had been baptized at this church. So it was actually very poignant thinking too about how these folks had come to faith. Uh, and really all three of them were coming to faith for the first time. So, uh, and what we stood on when we made our baptismal vows for them, again, in the Reformed tradition, the church, uh, the church is the godparent. And uh, it's a very powerful thing. And this, these people come from very different places. Explaining that to them was really moving for them that we all were making this vow for them. Lindy sent me a meme yesterday that she found on Facebook. It was this kid like with a cell phone, a baby with a cell phone. Say, I kid you not, this guy in a dress tried to drown me. And my whole family sat <laughs> and just watched. I saw her. I saw her do Pretty great. So today we're going to talk about the Electoral College Bill. Yes. So are we for it? Are we against it? Are we, do we think it's a good idea, a bad idea? Are you a member of the Electoral College? I am not a member of the Electoral College, um, um, but uh, I uh, think it's something that has outlived its usefulness. Uh, and if they do, uh, they follow the vote of uh, our fractured democracy, at least the vote of their states, then the one thing that they were supposed to do, uh, what the founders had in mind, if they go ahead and elect uh, Donald Trump, then they will have failed in their basic reason to exist. It is interesting, right? That is okay. Like, let you know, whatever you think of Donald Trump, let, but it is interesting that this was one of the explicit reasons. I mean, there are complicated reasons for it, but one of them is an elitist tendency to fear, you know, the will of the masses. The fact the masses would be like the charismatic demagogue. Yeah. And now, now we find it so offensive that the electors would actually overturn the judgment of the populace that we find something offensive that was built into the design. Right. Right. And it was also totally, well, of course, if it had gone the other way, you know, Donald Trump would be leading the charge against the electoral college uh, and his people and his minions. Um, but you know, what's interesting to me is there's been kind of a, you know, we are a Republic. We're not a representative democracy per se. I mean, we're technically a Republic and there were certain things built in the Constitution that were inherently um, non-democratic. Um, I mean, who could vote initially was very limited. I mean, basically white landowners, um, African-Americans were you know, not counted as full human beings. And they certainly, uh, you know, African-American men weren't given the vote until after, uh, after the Civil War. Uh, women were not given the vote <laughs> until early in the 20th century. Uh, other of things that we've, we have done to expand democracy, uh, we had a constitutional amendment for direct election of senators. Uh, most people don't realize that initially senators were not elected by the people. Yeah, that's actually an interesting thing because there's the idea, right, that like the House would be the people's house, direct, right. directly elected, that the senators would be appointed by the states. Yes, yeah. And so you had the people directly represented, then you had the states directly represented, and then you have the executive branch. So you had this kind of, it's, it's just interesting that you, we popularly elect senators. Right. Which I don't necessarily think is a bad idea, but, but it, it, it does take away one more layer of the sort of 
tensions, checks and balances that well, the founders had in yeah, mind. But in a part of it to me, how much was that a check and balance or just how much was it a compromise to get the thing passed? I mean, uh, the constitutional convention was in many ways, uh, illegal may be too strong, but they were there to, uh, they got sent by their states to reform the Articles of Confederation. And from day one, the group that was there knew that they were going to have to scrap them. But if their states had really known what they were doing, matter of fact, uh, they passed a resolution that the state legislatures would not approve the Constitution. It had to be a direct vote because they knew that many of the state legislatures would have not approved of it. I mean, some of the great... Who was president in the Confederation? Like, who was... Was there a president? I don't know. You know, I don't know how that worked, actually. Um, Hey, Siri. (laughs) Siri. Wait, serious. Siri, who was president? Who was president during the Confederation years of the United States? I don't think they, I don't think it was a president. Maybe it was a convener. I mean, for instance, Patrick Henry refused to go because he had, didn't want no parts of making a stronger central government, nor did uh, Jan ha- John Hancock want to be part of that at all. So they, two of the leading lights of the American Revolution, uh, we're on record of being opposed to what happened in Philadelphia. Siri pointed me to Wikipedia. I could have done that myself, but <laughs> I, there's not. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it basically functioned, I guess, for how many years? It basically functioned for six years or so um, after the signing of the Peace of Paris. I guess it, at some you point. Got, you only got one vote in the Congress of the Confederation for each state. Oh, okay. Which is, which is entitled to a delegation of between two and seven members. Oh. Only the central government may declare war, conduct foreign political or commercial relations. Interesting. Yeah. So, anyway, the Constitution... Here you go. But whenever an army is raised for common defense, the state legislature shall assign military ranks of colonel and below. So, above colonel, it's a federal thing. Right. This is interesting. I mean, I don't think we should do a whole podcast on it or even spend any more time on it. <laughs> I mean, well, I do think it is interesting. Well, you know, it, it, I mean, after the Revolutionary War, it was very it was a real possibility that the uh, the United States of America could have very well end up looking like the Balkans or, or you know, or, or Europe in terms of, because there was stronger identity for most people with their state than with any kind of larger entity. I, again, uh, there were people who opposed slavery, um, you know, nearly four score and seven years ago later who, because they were more loyal to Virginia than the federal government, uh, even though they were not uh, necessarily in favor of slavery, supported the Confederacy. So, like this, Robert E. Lee was one. Robert of those E. Lee folks, was right? one. Yeah, Stonewall Jackson, I think, as well. So, I, I think um, you're in the zone today. Well, you're in you're in my zone right now. <laughs> I thought the fifth you're so good. I mean, usually, I, I you're you're 13 centuries past well, your favorite century, and I, you're still like American history. I don't fire. know. I don't my uh, my modern. Church history is not as good as my age. Where do you stand on foreign-born, where do you stand on naturalized citizens being president? I think they should be able to be president. Schwarzenegger. Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) Theoretically, I think they should be able to be president. So, so, okay, think about this. Jesse Ventura was governor, was in Predator, right? Right. And so was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. If I were Carl Weathers, I would figure out like my bet, you know, I don't know what home, what state he's from. <laughs> <laughs> he should be elected. 
So I, I hey Siri, <laughs> what state is Carl Weathers from? <laughs> he was in a. He was just in something. Um, oh, I picked up my thing. He was. He was actually funny in Arrested Development. Remember, he played the acting coach for. Uh, remember him playing that? Siri told me it was an interesting question. But regardless, he was in a thing recently called Con- the Colony, where aliens come and they set up like they kind of take over the planet, and he was very good in that. So. <laughs> Carl Weathers, if you're out there and you would like Bill and I to consult on your campaign, we'd be willing to talk because three times is a charm. There we go. There we go. And Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to be host of Celebrity Apprentice, which Donald Trump will be the executive producer of in his spare time. Right, right. In spite of the Constitution. In spite of the Constitution. Constitutions. (laughs) Constitution. Yeah. They're old school, this Constitution. He actually is 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 uh, aiming to be in violation of the Constitution day one. Well, I think you know, go big or stay home. There we go. There we go. But anyway, I so the long and short of it is, I, I the idea that um, this is the second election, what in the last twenty years that it will be decided where the popular vote did not elect the president. That certainly is not where we want to be, and and there are complicated reasons why that. I think gerrymandering is one of them. Also the fact of people, you know, you know, people who certainly think in certain ways do tend to gather or congregate in certain parts of the country, but a person's vote in South Dakota should not be worth more than a person's vote in California or uh, New York. I, I mean, I don't think their vote should be worth less. I think, you know, one person, one vote. I think that's no, the a person's used car in Florida should be worth more than someone's in Michigan because it doesn't snow. And there's no right. salt. I agree with that. Right. Although they, the heat, yeah, I, you get what's sick. the, like South Carolina, what's the ideal state for resale value? I don't know. Giving the- Steve th- Lipless. <laughs> this is, we are in your wheelhouse right now. When you listen to this podcast, please post and tell us what states have the highest rate. Because he, he, he's an expert. Yeah, no, in this we, we would like to know that. And we will advertise that in our next podcast. So what, you, what do you think about the Electoral College? Uh, I think that- it's probably anachronistic. Yeah. Like. Given, a, what else, given everything else we've changed. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that word, anachronistic. That's a good one. It is a good one. Uh, yeah. I think it's anachronistic. It's out of place a little bit. I think, you know, I, I recognize the whole small state argument, right? But right. there is something to that. But already you have the Senate. So one senator has right. tremendous power. So yeah, you, you may already argue that that system itself is undemocratic given population of this. Yeah, community. you could, you could. But I, I, so I think that is check and balance enough, just the Senate. Right. And I think that it, it does seem a little weird in modern democratic culture to elect presidents this way, especially since the president is such a unique role in our country, right? Like right. you have this head of state, head of government, which is kind of a unique hybrid sort of system. And the power of that office has certainly inflated. Uh, given just the nature of the world we live in. So, no, I, I think if we're going to truly hold to democratic ideals, uh, uh, that this truly is a representative democracy, then we need to, we need to change that. And yeah, you know, it's interesting, too, on a side note. I mean, it's not directly related, but, but it relates to sort of, I feel like one of the big misperceptions. I was watching Fox News, as is often my habit. The other night, I was watching Bill O'Reilly, and Carl Rove was on <laughs> The Architect. The Architect was on, and... He was, Bill O'Reilly was talking, I mean, come on, how are we going to pay for all these New York programs for poor people? I mean, who's going to pay for it? You people in Austin pay for it. 
But that's actually not the case. Blue states overwhelmingly subsidize the red states. Right. So like you have states like New York and California that tend to average like over a dollar. It's like California is, you know, like, or, or I'm sorry, you have states like California that get about 67 cents or something right. back from right. the federal government for every dollar they put in. Yeah, you know, the red states are over a dollar. I mean, poorest, yeah, the poorest states in the country are all red states. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. the people, that, the, I mean, so this is, is one of those instances where you're, they're, the, the states where people are saying they want less government are actually taking, they're for wealth redistribution from the blue states to the middle of the country. It's just an interesting guy. It's one of these conundrums that is, but I do think probably it should go. But at the same time, I think Freakonomics just did this excellent episode. I'll, I'll try to link to it in the show notes about trust, public trust. And they did, there was this study in Italy, which has massive corruption problems and, and, and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, but, very much, very much. But so, there are yeah. some like districts in Italy that, got, that are high functioning, like almost Scandinavian level of functioning. And some that are much worse functioning than the United States or a lot of industrialized nations. And one of the trends was public trust. So when you have, tr- when you have a trusting society, things just work better. Like when you have people that trust right. Right. across and beyond your family and immediate kinship kind of lines, when you actually have a broad sense of public trust. So I think if we got rid of the Electoral College tomorrow, it would not help in the sense that right now, just trust is at all is it right. a, a low in all sorts of institutions. You see it in religious institutions, civic institutions, with the exception of the military. Most Americans still have, when you look at polls right. and they still have some reverence and respect for the military. But outside of that, there's an all time like you know trust in in institutions and civic life is bottoming out. And so I think. If we had high public trust, the electoral college stuff wouldn't matter. Yeah, but the fact that we don't exacerbates anomalies. Yeah, I, I think the electoral college was something the founders. It's almost like get out of democracy free card. <laughs> yeah, I think as I mean, in other words, if democracy doesn't work, we can play the electoral college card. But it never has been really utilized that way. It's always been used for. I mean, in some levels, uh, talk about cronyism. Uh, look what's going on, and what I mean, what's been going on since the election is just. It's fascinating to me. And also, we trust the, the military. That's part of why they get away with wasting billions of dollars every year and hiding some of that. I mean, it's just, it's fascinating to me that what we choose to, what we choose to care about. Um, yeah, it was funny when you and I were talking about, we were talking about this electoral college thing for a couple of weeks. And, uh, uh, you know, it was funny. I don't remember why, but it, 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 you know, the electoral college to me is a, is a little bit like the doctrine of uh, perseverance of the saints, of eternal security. It's, <laughs> it's almost like, okay. We've got this one kind of, this is our safety valve here in case, you know, you know, nothing else works. We've got this safety valve to make sure that uh, we preserve the country at the cost of democracy. And, uh, and it's, it's funny. I, I think, because uh, most, I think the doctor once saved, always saved, uh, is not biblical. Um, and, uh, but we, we've been we've talking about the Reformation and talking about Calvinism, particularly when you, you know, when you're going to just elect a few people, then it's a nice kind of logical tag along there to say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be okay. Uh, and whatever happens, if I'm elect, I'm, I'm in. You're the only person that's ever connected these two things. I know. I know. It's, it, well, this it's is, we've been talking about the Reformation and it's been thinking about it's it. It's a, a unique contribution to the history of Western thought. It may have, it may be totally a sign of the first stages of I'm losing my mind. It could be that as well. Although those first stages have already passed. 
Howard Stern was talking the other day. He's like, you know, I've been watching Fox News. And now uh, one thing I know, William Devane is on there every five minutes <laughs> hocking silver and go. He's like, what if I could just go see now? You just see me and take a chair. William Devane, buy silver. William <laughs> Devane. But that guy, it's like, it's almost like the camera crew's just outside his house because he'll be at the golf course and he'll be voting. Yeah. It's like, where are we going, Bill, today? Let's see. Uh, we'll, we'll, sh- we'll just shoot a, a gold commercial or silver commercial. It's yeah, great. You've been watching too much Fox, it sounds like. I love it. I love Fox. <laughs> Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. They do good, like John Stewart said, they do good television. They do. They do. Yeah. So there you go. So we, we, we are, we think that we're, we're not, neither of us are fans of the Electoral College. We're not fans of the Electoral College. And we think going to college is good. And I just, um, as a sidebar, blew up the uh, fifth point of Calvinism. Calvinism. But that, the fifth point that, wait, yeah, perseverance. Perseverance of the saints. But that's not generally what people believe. Four-point Calvinism. The tech, one of the technical terms for it is Amaraldianism, because Amarald was a French. He was a, one of the first people to reject limited atonement. Most people don't reject perseverance of the saints. It's not the most popular point to reject. No, because, we, because it works out. Well, not, I, again, I'm not saying that's not how it works. I, it's just it's interesting to me that once saved, always saves the eternal security thing. Uh, it, it just has to ignore large parts of the parts of the New Testament or some significant passages of the New Testament. And it's it's just an interesting thing that we do. It's the same thing with the Electoral College. We pick and choose what we like about our Constitution when it's convenient for us. And um, you know, again, there's there are doctrines that take on lives of themselves. I mean, for instance, a lot of fractured Calvinists, a lot of fundamentalist um you know, kind of Jerry Falwell, fundamentalist, uh, you know, liberty fundamentalist who believe in eternal security, but would not believe in, in the, uh, uh, some of the other points of Calvinism. But they hold on to total depravity and eternal security. They would be TEs. TEs, yeah. Tight ends. <laughs> but at any rate. Well, there we go, folks. This is one of our, it's, we'll get back to probably some philosophical and theological topics, but this is our... Musings for the day. Here it is. And uh, yeah, we wish you um, joy in joy. the midst of all of the things that would maybe rob one of joy. That at the heart of Advent three is a radical, pregnant, single woman's cry for God's justice in the magnificent. Just might, might, might bring me down. I have to fight to get back up. 
Move away cause I just won't slack up Joy Palm it up, palm it up And pain Come on, come on, here we go Sunshine What else, what else? Rain Keep it going, keep it going Just a kid and you need to grow because Joy, palm it up, palm it up And 